Now, if you'd open up to uh, the book of Titus, we'll pray, we'll jump in with both feet. How's that? Father, we love your word, and we love, I love especially this section. This is choice. And I'm a little bit overwhelmed. I feel like I'm in over my skis. I'm always in over my skis, but there's parts of the scripture like this that are daunting. And I don't want to swing and miss. I want you to have this opportunity to speak to our hearts and to tell us things that I feel like we really need to know what your word says. So, Lord, uh, arrest our attention. Um, Spirit of God, teach us. Redeem this time. Uh, be pleased to uh, bless us and bless yourself by instructing us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Last time... We were looking at, um, we were in chapter 2, and if I don't, if I remember right, I think we finished up uh, verse 5, we, we were, we were looking at the older women, because there are no older women today. You know, that's just the way things are. You know, I, I was talking last week, I was opining that old somehow has fallen on disuse. The Bible knows nothing about it. It says they're aged women, but if you're an aged woman, you sure don't like to think that way, you know. So we, we come up with all kinds of synonyms to uh, make it more palpable, palatable, I should say. The aged women, likewise, that they may be uh, in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not giving them much wine, teaches the good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. And I'm not going to bring that up again because I, I got out of here last week unscathed, and so I'm figuring, like, uh, I'm not going to push it. Uh, except that's the Word of God. You know, I fear you guys less than, you know, a lot of churches, I wouldn't even, well, I'd wouldn't punk out, but I know that it would go sideways in a hurry because we don't care what the Word of God says. We care what CNN says. And I've seen that in so many churches, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. We, care, we, we listen to the zeitgeist of the world and we let them tell us what we should believe rather than the Word of God. And as Christians, that's untenable and it's ridiculous. Um... Because we don't want the Word of God to be blasphemed. That's the long and short of it. And that's where we ended up last week. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. Uh, in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. I don't know how much uh, comment we need on this. I think it's all very straightforward through here. Um, you, you want to be a good guy. You want to have sound doctrine. Uh, you, you know, when it's talking about gravity, uh, it's talking about a graveness. When, and, it's, and it's like being sober-minded. Um, what, no clowning around, not having fun? We're accused of that all the time, and I, I, I'm not that person. We have a lot of fun. We, we you know, clown around and stuff. But we're not always clowning around to the point you're always, always the joke, always the comedian, always the funny guy. So that nobody ever takes you seriously. Then you say something like, for real, and people are ready to laugh and think, nah, that's just Adam, he's always clowning around. You don't want to be that. Um, uh, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed. Having no evil thing to say of you. Um, they will say evil things about you. They said evil things about Jesus. They didn't have anything evil to say about him, but they said it anyway. The idea is like no evil thing that would have the ring of truth in it because people accuse all the time. You know, the word devil means accuser. He's the accuser of the brethren. That's what he does. So what do you mean not being accused? Well, when somebody says something about you, uh, a negative term, a pejorative. Yeah, you know that guy, he's this and this and this. Everyone else just laugh. You're ridiculous. Of course he's not. We know, I know that brother. He's a good guy. He, that, all those things you're saying aren't so. You've made them up in your own head. Uh, this, I think that's what it's talking about when it's saying, uh, you, you know, having no evil thing to save you. No evil thing that sticks is kind of the, uh, the idea. 
Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters. Okay, we have slaves and masters. Now we always, the temptation here, of course, is always to make it employees and employers. And I think it's because the reason we do that is because it's the closest thing we have in America. Is there slavery in America? Yeah. Yeah, there's sex trafficking. There's all kinds of, you know, uh, slavery and stuff like that. But it's nothing that we, he's not exhorting, you know, people caught up in sex traffic to, be obedient to their masters. You, you can just shake your head and that idea falls right out. So, we, you know, we can you know, talk in terms of like uh, servants and, and uh, uh, hired people and people who are, you know, owning businesses. Be obedient. Why? Because they're paying your salary. Pl- to please them well in all things. Not answering again. No back talk. Everybody's an expert on how the company should be run, Right? How long have you been running a company? Oh, I haven't. But yeah, but you know all that's supposed to be. You know, I, it, it breaks me up. Um, uh, it's funny. Uh, so I work for a company, and I'm the safety man. Everyone in the whole company knows my job better than me because they'll tell you, oh, you should be doing this, you should be doing this, you should be doing this. I'm thinking, I've done this for like almost a quarter of a century now, but uh, uh, I think like a five-minute shooting from the hip answers, probably I should probably uh, not gainsay your great in-depth analysis. You, factor in the sarcasm here uh no no when you have a boss not answering again the answer should be uh, yes sir again they're the ones who sign your checks i think that's a good thing i think that shows our christianity very well that guy works for this department he says he's a christian he doesn't have enough work to break the sabbath he's always late always mouthy always contrary that's no good. I mean, we should have a reputation. They should be saying, hey, empty out the church. Tell them all to come to work here. I mean, you guys are great, and we should have that reputation. I think we do. Uh, this is a working church. No, I'm serious. Like, you don't have a work day. Everyone shows up. We get a lot of stuff accomplished. You know, we have a thing like there's a hurricane, victims down in, hey, let's send a crew, and nobody can be freed up. Everyone's working. We're a working church. I, uh, you know, I, I think you guys are too hardworking, if anything, if I could classify that way. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because um, um, we don't, lazy isn't, that's not an adjective you want to use, uh, have people describe you as. Not purloining. You're saying, I'm sure I don't do that, whatever it is. Uh, petty theft is the idea. You get all, you know, pens and paper and all office supplies. And well, they're just going to throw it out anyway. <laughs> they don't throw out pens and paper and office supplies. Um, if something's going to be thrown out, hey, that desk. Well, I could use that and I could, uh, you know, p- put that in my workshop or something like that. Well, bother to ask. Get permission. There's a way to do that. You know, if anything's going to hit the garbage can and, somebody say, and you say, hey, can I... Who's going to tell you no? But the problem is, you know, oh, they got plenty of them and don't worry. That's, it's called stealing. It's not something a Christian ought to be involved in. And he's given us all these things. These are Christian peoples. Paul's writing to Titus. Okay, I left you at Crete so you could set up, you know, um, elders in all the different churches. And this is what the elders are supposed to look like. This is what the older ladies are supposed to look like. This is what the young ladies are supposed to be uh, being taught by the old ladies. This is what the young men are supposed to look like. These is what the, uh, the bosses are supposed to look like. These is what the servants are supposed to look like. And we're supposed to be not purloining, showing uh, uh, in all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. They may hate your doctrine, but if they see you as the hardest working person around, they have a hard time don't, don't give them the bullets that they're going to shoot you with, that they're going to put in a gun and shoot you with. Okay, that's always a, a bad idea. Uh, and then when they say bad things about you, and they will, make it so it's ridiculous by your, your, your strong fidelity. Uh, that's the word, not permanently, showing in all good fidelity. What's fidelity? Uh, semper fidelis, you know, if you were in the Marine Corps like I was. Always faithful. And so it's talking about a life that's faithful. You know, it's not up and down, you know, here today, gone tomorrow. It's like always doing the things that we know we're supposed to be doing. It sounds like a bunch of rules, doesn't it? Remain calm. It's not. I mean, it's, it's okay, this is out of bounds. Or this is no good. Don't go over here. But there's a reason for that, and we're getting there, okay? We're go, this is going somewhere. 
uh, all good fidelity, you want to adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. By the way, that's a subtle hint of the deity of Jesus Christ. And by the way, it'll, it'll talk of the deity of Jesus Christ here without being subtle at all. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Okay, it's a big section, and we could go on. Each, each, most of these verses are stepping off place for not only a sermon, but a whole you know, month of sermons. But we're just going to go right through. Um, you're, you're, we're talking about, in the context, adorning the doctrine of God. The grace of God, God's grace brings salvation. I'll wait for the amen. Amen, that's right. And it's appeared to all men. And this grace teaches us something. And we'll get there in a minute. Now, I have to define grace. This is where all the cults fall down. Someone, you know, is talking to me about religion and comparative this and that. And I say, well, discuss with me the grace of God, please. And then stand by for gobbledygook. Uh, um, blatherskate nonsense sophomoric rhetoric what are you saying they're just going to throw up on you verbally they don't, nobody knows how to talk about that I came from a religion and in this religion you do religious things and you earn graces and they pluralize it graces Okay, I don't know any, anywhere in the Bible that says anything about graces. And basically it was, okay, you go to church, here's however many graces. And you go and you do this holy function, you bring a, a meal to an elderly person or something, you earn these many graces. And graces, at the end, you trade them in when you stand before God and he looks at all the stuff. Okay, you did a lot of bad stuff and you did not so many good stuff. Oh, but you get all these graces, eh, Close enough, come on in. The Bible knows nothing of that, okay? I was a victim of that, and I had a really fuzzy idea of grace. I had to unlearn a lot of things. Well, let's just make it very, very simple. Justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Can you give me an example of that, Adam? Well, I'm glad you asked. So you murdered somebody, and they, 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 they're sitting you up in old Sparky, okay? They're going to flip the switch. It's going to be very unpleasant uh, for a few seconds, and then you're going to be on the other side, okay? But you murdered, and you deserve it. It's called justice. That's, that's the thing. Mercy is when the governor calls and says, okay, forget about it, unstrap them, we're going to put them back in the pokey, and we're going to, okay, he doesn't kill you. You don't get what you deserve. We hate judges like that. The one who lets you off the hook, lets the, how about the serial rapist? Uh, the guy's in for his you know, fifth or sixth time before the judge, and he's convicted of rape. And the judge shakes a finger at him. If you do that again, I'm going to march you right back into this court and say, don't you do that again. Oh, wow. Pretty scary stuff, Your Honor. We hate judges like that. Imagine now if that convicted felon goes out and rapes somebody else. Imagine if it's, if it's you or somebody you know. What a tragedy that would be. We hate judges who are squishy on when, it comes to, uh, when it comes to that. And so we can't really accuse God of that. I mean, have you thought about what it costs? Uh, he extends uh, mercy to you. Isn't that, he's a merciful God. Isn't that good? So he just, he's real squishy on justice. Wait a second. That's a little bit of a problem, isn't it? How can he just let you off the hook all the time and never drop the hammer? Oh, he dropped the hammer all right. He dropped it on Jesus Christ on your behalf. Aren't you happy? Because that's the only way to escape the justice of God. So the, the payment was made 
It was just made on your behalf. So you don't have to be the one. Because we know this, the wages of sin is death. And if we stand before God saying, okay, you give me what you deserve, what I deserve, what I got coming to me, we all go to hell. But he says, no, I, I love you. I've redeemed you myself. I, I don't want you to go to hell. So I've, I put Jesus through hell, and he paid the penalty. Well, I believe that. He goes, good, you're in. Well, I don't care about Jesus. You're out. Okay? So there's, there's justice, getting what you deserve. Everyone in hell has justice. Everyone in heaven has mercy. But not only beyond that, they have grace. Because let's extend our metaphor. So the guy who's going to get electrocuted, right? They flip the switch, it's justice. The governor calls, stay of execution, that's mercy. What happens if the governor comes to the prison, unstraps the lad from the electric chair, and adopts him and makes him his own? That's grace, okay? He's, now, he's my son. He's living in the mansion. He's going around in the Rolls Royce. I'm a very, very wealthy governor, and he's got all that's coming to me because I love him. Now, the governor, you think, well, wait a second, wait a second. There's still some squishy... What, what, how does this metaphor work out? Well, the governor brings his own son and straps him in the electric chair and snaps the switch. And so justice is satisfied. It's just not visited on the person who's guilty. Now, I, I know of no other religion in the whole world. Why, what, we're going to be looking at this lot next week in Philemon. We're going to talk about a little bit about religions. Philemon is one of the clearest presentations of the gospel that hardly anyone ever sees. I'm so excited about it. I'm going to stop preaching about it like right now, okay? But we'll, we'll wait till it ne- next week. This is the gospel message. Jesus died for our sins. So there's justice was satisfied. Mercy is there because of grace that is extended to us through the death of Jesus Christ. Now you understand. Now look, uh, the grace of God and brings salvation as appeared to all men. Amen. Right? And it, this grace teaches us something. It's not static grace. It teaches us something. It teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live a certain way. And that certain way is soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So we talk to some Christian, and he's making a mess of things. He's, when he's, Sober, he's on drugs uh, when he's not drinking. He's living with his girlfriend. He's uh, stealing to support his habit. And you call him on it. And he's like, well, you know, God's forgiven me and all. Like, and they point to grace. And I'm thinking of, what type of grace is that? Certainly, there's an element of grace and forgiveness. Certainly, God is gracious toward us in offering us forgiveness because we haven't deserved it. We deserve justice. Certainly there's an element of grace there. But grace is much more than that. Because in, in my prison you know, electrocution uh, thing, if, if, if he just doesn't electrocute him, there's no grace. Grace is like, I was a child of the devil going to hell on a greased pole and enjoying the ride, if truth be told. And God interrupted my, that, that, the end of that wasn't a pleasant thought at all. And God interrupted that, and he brought me into his forever family based on what Jesus has done for me. He adopted us, you and me, as his own dear children. And he took all that past nastiness and just washed it away in the blood of Jesus. He loves us. He, you know, people say, well, he'll, he loves me just the way I am. I, I agree with that, but he, he loves us more than he don't let us stay the way that we are. I mean, I was so ridiculous. And if I was that ridiculous person, I was thinking, well, thanks for fire insurance, but do I got to live a victim of sin for the rest of my life? That, so this is why I talk to people, like Christians, they get this fuzzy idea about grace, but hey, listen, grace is... More than just forgiveness, it's the power to overcome sin in our life. Look, it teaches us that we're to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Grace does something for us. It, it helps us to overcome the vices, the sin habits, and to break the chains. Well, 
You know, people talk in terms of freedom like, well, I'm free to sin up a storm. You're ridiculous again. That's, just, that's so silly. Life is about finding the right master. Jesus Christ is a great master. Sin, not so much. I, I, I've served both. I know what I'm talking about. Jesus is a wonderful master. Sin, not so much. We need a cricket chirp sound effect there. Amen indeed. He's, serving him is awesome. Serving sin? Uh, and so many Christians are like, I don't think they understand that. And this is what grace does. Now grace also does this, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Some people are looking forward to Jesus coming back. Some people are not. Why? Some people haven't imbibed in that grace. If I'm on a work system, I don't ever know if I've done enough works. Jesus, you better stay where you are and maybe come back next week, next month, wait till I figure out a few things and I you know, pull myself up by my own bootstraps and I get to this po- point where I think I'm okay to stand in front of you. When does that happen? It never happens. No, Jesus, come back today. I'm like so ready. How, what, what's talking in me that allows me to have that much confidence? Am I arrogant? Am I, do I think I'm all that and a bag of chips? Do I, I'm just so sin-free because I'm so wonderful. No, it's the grace of God. That's how we can stand and say, hey, Jesus, come back today. We are so ready for you because he's, in, in, invoked, he's instilled in us that grace that we can you know, say, come on back. Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing. By the way, the blessed hope and the glorious appearing is the same thing. It's called the Granville Sharps. Two things with the chi, ad, it, it's, it means and, uh, and it means that those things are the same things. So the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, is the same thing. Now there's another Granville uh, Sharps here. Great God and chi another Granville Shops, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, is God, and that says so verbatim. Now, there's a lot of times it is subtly through the text we talked about that. This here says that Jesus Christ is God. Our great God, Kai, and that's it, it's Granville Shops. You'll, you'll find it all through the New Testament, and it never doesn't work, okay? Our great God is our Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, just amen indeed. Who gave himself for us. This is a game changer. This is everything. This is, this is the whole. He gave himself for us. Why? That he might redeem us from all iniquity. So if we're redeemed from all iniquity, how are we content to live in it? To wallow in it? To, okay, look. Listen. I think to look at you and wave a finger, and that's satanic, okay? The accuser of the brethren, all right? So I don't want to do that. I'm trying to, like, urge you on to, like, I'm not trying to condemn. I'm trying to, hey, there's a freedom. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand fast. Don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. So I'm not sitting here trying to, like, make you feel bad. I'm trying to show you, like, But there's a lot of Christians out there who just, and and so I've decided that he's going to be the Lord of my life, not just fire insurance, not just my Savior, okay? I want to follow him all the days of my life. I want to do the things he he wants me to do. The things he wants me to abstain from, I want to abstain from too. So I want to live for the Lord, right? Uh, And so I want him to be the Lord of my life. Now what happens? Mistakes. Well, let's call them what they are, sin. So I've decided I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm, Susan, tell you, since that decision, it's been, I've lived in just sinless perfection. <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing. That's what it was meant to elicit. Uh, nobody believes that. So what happens? So we decide to follow Jesus, then we're, we're, we're there. We've made it. No, it's, it's still, we still have an adversary. He's still seeking whom he may devour. But what's, what's, what's the, the, the driving force? Grace. Hey, get up again, son. Jesus died for your sins. Come on, we got work to do. Because I know, you know, Jesus, you know how awesome our God is. He's got this forgetfulness that he flips off and on like a switch. He forgets our sin. He forgets that we're even sinners. I come, Lord, I've done this and this. And he's, yeah, don't worry about it. Come on, we got work to do. Um, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. We, you still on that? Really? 
Come on, we got, we wanna, I want a fellowship. I, wanna, I got some stuff. We got some, hey, let's just enjoy each other's coming. Oh, I'm not worthy of this and I'm not. It, listen, it works away in only every relationship. So me and Sue had a falling out once, 86, 87, I'm not sure. I can't remember. It's a long time ago, right? And um, I was like, oh, uh, that was so, I, what a knucklehead. And we're missing, and I don't know how to. And so she reaches out, the, you know, the, the velvet glove, and I'm like, oh, and, you know, grab it. Now we're back, cool. Do I want to revisit what a knucklehead I was or why she said this that made me, we're, we're, hey, we're back on track. This is so cool. You want to rehash this, and maybe it'll, maybe I'll sleep on a couch again tonight. I mean, no, we don't want that. We want, but the Lord's that way. He's so about reestablishing that connection. And I'm not talking about being born again, again. I'm talking about clearing the air. I'm talking about, you know, I did this. I shouldn't have done this. And we just forgiveness is awesome. Repentance is great. I get a new start as often as I want one. This is, this is grace. He gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Peculiar kind of means particular, in the center of the bullseye. Because I, I have a lot of people say, like, peculiar, and they use that for their quirks. That's not what... It, I, Okay, we're the best dysfunctional family going. I'll give you that. And quirks, we got our fair share. Uh, present company included. But that's not what that's talking about. We're his, we're his particular, we're his treasure. We're his, the apple of his eye that, and zealous of good works. At the end of the day, hey, how can I, what can I do to help you out? We don't see people as, how can they help us out? We see Man, that's, that's ministry opportunity there. For those inside the family, those outside the family. This is what grace does. It just changes everything. That's why religious people will never have... You, you know, when you have like a, a little matrix and on your refrigerator and you stars, you know, for... Because you do that with kids, right? And they wash the dishes, they took out the garbage, they, and then you, you know, give them the points and they get the stars and they get their allowance or whatever it is. Or, you, can't, you can't have a relationship like that. I mean, and by the way, if you do that with your kids, that's fine. I'm not even suggesting that's a bad thing. But you can't have a relationship like that. I checked all the boxes. I woke up and told my wife, I thought she was beautiful. I gave her a hug, a little peck on the cheek. That's three checks right there. Whew, I'm good till noon. What? Relationship by the numbers. It doesn't work that way. It sure doesn't work that way with the Lord. Zealous of good works. Uh, you know the, how the relationship works the best? How can I bless you? And I'm thinking of new and inventive ways to bless her. Or, or any of my friends. That's, that's exciting relationship. Well, how can I bless the Lord today? That's what grace does. And religion can never... Religion's that you're a hamster on a wheel. Running furiously going nowhere, exerting a lot of effort, getting, getting nowhere. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Chapter 3, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. Hey, obey the law. That's what it's saying. Remind them, obey the law. Uh... What about laws we don't like? Then you take the person who made those laws and you vote them out of office. And pay attention, too. I, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, frustrating to me. I don't want you to become political and think in politics all the time. You don't have to do that. But you have to rely on people who do know something about politics or something, or at least be paying enough attention. I remember I was going to... Calvary Chapel in Bangor, and uh, I was talking to a guy, and this is no reflection on Ken or anything. I mean, all your behavior is not always a reflection on me, for better or for worse. I mean, it's just not. I don't, I don't, I don't want to take undue credit. I don't want to take undue blame. No reflection on Ken. So one of the guys there, he was talking about reelecting a governor who was 
so pro-choice. So pro, and I called him on it. What are you, these? Well, I, I guess I can tell you it was uh, uh, Baldacci. Now, I, I don't know if I've just cast any dispersions on the man. I mean, I think he says he's pro-choice. I don't think, you know, me saying it is a horrible thing. I mean, I think his voting record is that, too. And so I called him. I said, you're a Christian. You vote for somebody who's pro-choice. He's, oh, I saw him down at the Blue Hill Fair. He was flipping pancakes. What a nice guy. That's so discouraging. I don't doubt he's a nice guy. And I don't... It, if... if Pancakes can buy you a vote. That the ramifications of that are are horrific. Just I just. But he was the governor, and he made laws where uh, 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 obliged to uh, obey them. But we're also we have rights, and you know, like the people's veto. I think that's fine. I think that's a good thing. I think people who, you know, mis misuse their power should be voted out of office. This verse tells us don't shoot abortion doctors. Abortion is law of the land. You ain't got a right to, no, no, we, we obey laws. I'm gonna, I, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to show how, everyone how pro-life I am by shooting an abortion doctor. You, that, you might want to rethink that position a little bit. Um, you know what? I will tell you this. Maybe that guy, he never repents. Maybe he stands before God. Don't worry. Justice happens. I don't wish justice on anyone. I wish mercy and grace like I've found. Okay? But don't you be making laws. Don't be able to come to law. And decide. I've met guys, and I, give you, I can give you a thousand examples. I don't have time for a thousand examples. I've guys like, I'll shoot as many deer as I want. They're not the government's deers. They're our deers. Tell me who to, what to you know, and I just think like, wait a second, we have laws. You know, it's, we, have a, we have nation laws, it's, so, supposedly. It doesn't always work that way. I can give you another thousand examples. Don't you be the one disobeying laws. Be subject to principalities, to powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. I'm going to tell you what, America's broken in a lot of ways. It's still the best of the bunch as far as I'm concerned. It's, what I'm doing right now is not illegal. In America, in 2019, do you know how many countries it is? And, and by the way, Paul and Peter both went to jail for because they both wrote, wrote stuff like this, and they both went to jail for not obeying their own what they were writing. Paul ends up in prison. How does he do that? Because he didn't obey the magistrates, the ones who had the power over him. Because that only goes so far. There's a place where they say, you're going to do this. And we say, uh-uh, no how, no way. Uh, you're not going to worship God. You're not going to, uh, um, you know, preach the gospel. You're not going to, because even, you know, we have uh, countries where, you know, it's against the law to preach the gospel. And we have brothers and sisters who say, well, I'd like to obey the government, but the government has to change because guess what? I'm not. And that always feel, feel perfectly free to do that. Now, last week we were talking about uh, wife obeying husband, but I, I, I think I put that caveat in. If I didn't, shame on me. I'll have to go back and listen. But I think I said, you know, like o obedience is a good thing, only to a point. You know, a husband can't order you to be disobedient to God. You say, honey, I love you. No. And then you have a church behind you if that doesn't work out to your advantage. I mean, and I don't mean that in a snotty, arrogant way. I mean that in a sincere, I think God's put us in churches for that, re that reason among others. Okay, remind them, you've got to obey the law and to speak evil of no man. I'm going to be conscientious of that. I, I'm try to, I try to... Speak evil of no man, okay? Is that hard to do? Yeah, what about they are evil? Mm, it's a hard thing, isn't it? Because I was just talking about a governor who was pro-choice. I think the, that cat was out of the bag. I don't know if I spilled the beans and did him any great disservice. But I wasn't, I wasn't trying to further his name as a, you know what I mean? So it's always a tough, it's a hard thing to do, isn't it? But I don't want to just, you know, berate. So if somebody comes around here and starts telling me what you horrible thing you did, I, 
I generally want to cut them off and say, okay, what happened when you told him? Because <laughs> they're trying to get me to go do the dirty work and the heavy lifting and tell them what a rat and a weasel and a bad guy they are, right? What happened when you... And I don't want to hear your gossip. I don't, I don't want to hear you. That's, hey, that's my brother you're talking about. That's my sister. Don't you be coming around here telling me what a horrible person they are. Uh, you know, and I, I think we, we should... As far as I know, we're the anti-gossip church. I don't know if a lot of that's going on. It's not going on in my hearing. I don't want to hear, you know, that. And when the news reports and all that, I'll figure out who's on what team and stuff. But speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers. Now, that's just good. <laughs> oh, don't beat anyone up, okay? Gentle instead, showing all meekness unto all men. The only autobiographical statement of Jesus Christ in all of the New Testament that I can found, find, he says, you know, I'm meek and lowly of heart. You know, coming to me, I, you, you know, follow what I'm doing. You'll find rest under your souls. You know, my yoke is easy, my, uh, my burden is light. That whole passage there, what he says of himself, he's meek. Wow. Uh, if we are, you think, well, he didn't seem so meek when he was chasing those, you know, money hucksters and, you know, ne'er-do-wells out of the temple. He didn't seem so meek then. Meek isn't weak. It's, it's strength under control of the Spirit of God. And sometimes it looks very strong. I think, like, people make Jesus like a, a pacifist and a sissy, and you don't know anything. That's so wrong on so many levels. And I don't want to tell you, meek means, you know, like you're a kitten. And everyone just walks all over you. You're a doormat. You can't ever say no. That's not what it means. For we ourselves were also sometime foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That's what I just told you. That's my testimony. <laughs> How'd that show up here? Uh, foolish, stupid, silly, disobedient. Yep, deceived, because I was on that same treadmill you were on, trying to do more bad than good, serving diverse lusts. So we're trying to do righteousness without being righteous. We're trying to do God's work without being God's children. We're trying to do things that please God without being part of the family of God. How's that working? Well, with me, it was ridiculous and disastrous, and it didn't work at all. Uh, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, Hateful and hating one another. Love is better. I like, I like love. Thanks. The, the, the Holy Spirit of God, he sh uh, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Spirit of God is given to us, right? And when he comes and he infuses himself in us, he brings the love. And I, I, I remember times in my life when I've told people to go to hell and meant it. In the B.C. days, you know. I can't think of anybody who I know who I'd like to see them go to hell. Even perfect strangers. What happened to me? I used to tell people it and mean it. Now I wouldn't even think of it. And I want people not to go to hell. I would interfere with their going to hellness. What, what happened? Love. I was hateful, hating one another. Now he's come, he's infected me with his love. I like that. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. And that goes, harks back to the grace of our God that hath appeared unto all men. But after that, so we would we were like all these ridiculous things. After that, the kindness and love of God our Savior. And of course, that's again talking about the deity of Jesus Christ. It appeared, the, the, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward men appeared. What happened? Just what I said, he infected us with his love. How did he do that? Well, listen, this is one of the most important verses in the whole Bible. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost. Now, America, the way they go to heaven, and they all think they're going to heaven, is they stand before God and they, they make their case and they have done more right than wrong. One, I don't think they know what right is. Two, I'm sure they don't know what wrong is. If anyone actually said, and, and they had a right balance, they'd all realize that I'm going to come out bad. 
when, when I have that time before God, uh, I'm not going to get the, the, the door prize. I'm going to walk away with the fuzzy end of the lollipop. This is not going to further my cause when I try to tell God how good I've been. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done. And all of the Bible says that. How come we think like, you know, so somebody dies, right? And of course they went to heaven because the way you go to heaven in America in 2019 is by dying. Well, they're in a better place. And I was always, really? But I don't say much because guess what? That's not really the time to say it <laughs> at a, you know, funeral or, you know, visiting hours or something. But everyone says it. I don't say those ridiculous things. You don't say those ridiculous things. Oh, they're in a better place. Really? How did they get there? Well, they were a good person. Wrong answer. It's not by works of righteousness we have done. How do you save us? Well, it's according to his mercy. I love you, Adam. Just be my son. Accept Jesus, and he brings us into his forever family. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for being merciful to me. That's hard uh, to get our minds around, isn't it? Nobody's ever loved us like that. Well, he didn't know how bad I was? Oh, he knew it. <laughs> he knew it very well. He knew it so bad. That's how why Jesus had died such a brutal death for our sins. Not pretty. And we have no excuse for committing them. But he shows up with this love. And it's not, we, didn't, we don't get what we deserve. It's according to his mercy he saves us. How does that work? By the washing that leads to regeneration. Okay, he washes us in his blood and it leads to resurrection, new life. That I made reference to before, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things, well, they're passed away. All things become new. Again, I say he loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay the way we are. A lot of people think at this point like, well, you're right, you're right, Adam. I've got to clean myself up. No, no, you didn't hear anything I said. No, you don't have to clean yourself up. No, can you clean yourself up? What happens is he cleans us up by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a merciful thing. It's a grace thing. It's a non-justice thing. And it's a love thing. He washes us by the washing, regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And he imparts to us the, the, the power plant, the ability, the source of power to overcome sin in our life. Did you try to stop sin before you were a Christian? I have said this before. This is called the white knuckle method. I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to hold on tight. And Satan laughs at our white knuckles. Demons... They've been demons a long time. They know how to get around that stuff. I'm just going to resolve from now on I'm never going to sin again. How's that working? Really, outside the power of the Holy Spirit, you're overcoming sin in your life? Wow, I don't know anything of that. So I just pray every day, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Help me to be the man you want me to be. Help me to say the right things. There's going to be so, you've run out ahead. You see the whole day progressing, and I'm going to have this pitfall here. I'm going to be surprised by this, confronted by this. Help me to be wise, to make the right decisions. I could be tempted. I have an roaring lion. He's trying to devour me. Spirit of God, go before me and, and smooth out these places and give me the wherewithal to overcome. Does he answer prayers like that? Well, I hope so. What do you think? You're on your own. Do the best you can. Really? Well, I'm trying to be a good person uh, outside of God in your life. Why? It's not going to save you. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. It's uh, his, by his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration, by re the renewing of the Holy Ghost. And the newness is what I was kind of emphasizing there. The born againness, the newness of it all, the new creationness of it. Which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. How much Holy Spirit do you need? Well, he's a person. I don't know if there's like an amount, but he'll bring all the, whatever he needs, whatever you need for the moment. He, God, slathers on us grace how much love do you need he's got, he got plenty of that he don't run out and he doesn't withhold you know he's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness right 
that being justified by his grace, amen. Justified by works? No, not. We're justified by his grace that we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly. Okay, Titus, go get them. Say this and say it and say it and say it. That they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. Our Christianity should look like something. We don't do good works to get to heaven. We do good works because we're already going to heaven. He's already saved us. These things are good and profitable to men. And men, they're mankind. Avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions, strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. Do you care who your late greats were? They don't. I mean, they don't. I don't care if one of them was President of the United States or one of them was uh, outlaw ne'er-do-well. Wouldn't have any reflection on me. I see people are very, like, proud about this. Me? I kind of avoid genealogies. And contentions and strivings about the law. People always want to know about, you know, can I eat a pork chop? Ask the blessing. Go for it. Does that mean it's health food? I'm not saying, you know, if you ask the blessing over your hot fudge Sunday, I don't know if you're going to, you know, eat it and lose weight and have more energy. I, I don't know. I, I'm just... But I don't want to, you know, contention, striving about the law. They're unprofitable and they're vain. Okay, a man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition reject. We don't easily say the word heretic, okay? There's people who disagree with me, and that's because... Inside the, um, the, 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 the umbrella of Christendom, there are different flavors. There are some people, and I don't pretend that I've got every verse in the Bible memorized, categorized, finalized, and to the nth degree in my, in my worldview. That's ridiculous. And it's arrogant beyond. But I have, you know, I'm, I, we should be thoughtful, and we should, you know, pray, and we should read the Bible, we should study to show ourselves approved and a God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of, of God. We should be doing that stuff. But there's a, heretics. Uh, you know, he's a sinner. So try to win him twice. And after that, reject him. No, I'm not going around with you on this again. I, I Pray. Read your Bible. I'm not, they just want to waste your time. Knowing that he that is such is subverted sinneth, being condemned of himself. Which is, by the way, a lot of reasons why people are trying to convert you. Listen, there's a reason we don't have heterosexual pride parades. I don't need to convert anyone to my way of thinking. Never did. If 30,000 people, gay people, told me I was crazy and weird and strange and sinning, it would not move the needle of my thinking one degree, one iota. So I don't have to convert anyone. The reason people are trying to convert you or I, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself. So if I can get you to applaud my behavior, maybe that will quell my conscience. That's the only thing I need to think of. Otherwise, who cares? Uh, when I shall send Artemis unto thee, or Tychicus, uh, be diligent to, c to come unto me in Nicopolis, for I have determined there to winter. This is like kind of housekeeping stuff. Who's Artemis? We have no idea. Um, I'm going to send him, and he's going to like relieve you, okay? And then you come to me. I'm going to send him or Tychicus. We see him in uh, Philemon and other places uh, next week. So come to me at Nicopolis. I'm going to winter there. Nicopolis is probably the place after his most people think after his Roman imprisonment, the one that we read about in the book of Acts, he was free. He was arrested again at Nicopolis, and this time he wasn't free. He, he ended up being uh, having his head chopped off. But Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey, uh, bring Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey diligently that nothing be wanting unto them. Now Zenos the lawyer we know nothing about as well. If it's a Greek name, he's a lawyer like you would think of lawyers. If, he's, if it's a Jewish name, and it's probably a Greek name, uh, a lawyer is somebody, is like a scribe, okay? It's more, it's, it's not like a lawyer of law that we would think of. But uh, so we have Zenos here and we have Apollos from the book of Acts. That Apollos, and here's Paul later on in his life, still friends with Apollos. I kind of think that's a good thing. Uh, bring them, 
And, and let us also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. Good works won't lead to salvation. Is it a good thing? Yeah, it's fruitful. That's why we do them. And besides, remember Ephesians 2, 8, and 9? For by grace you saved through faith. It's not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto or resulting in good works that he, God, has before ordained that we should walk in them. Very specific works, I think. Here's your, here's your running lane. This is what I got for you. This is what I want you to do. Tick all these boxes. You ain't coming home till you get them all, by the way. And he'll, but he'll help you. He'll give you that. There are good works. They're very fruitful things. They're just not designed to get us to heaven. Uh, and all that are with me, all that are with me, salute thee. Greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. Stand uh, for the benediction. I'm going to uh, ask the uh, guys to come and send us out of here in song. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful book, uh, the, the many challenges that are there. And we want to be those people because the grace of God has appeared unto all men and teaches us that we should be these people and gives us the power to be these people. Lord, free us from sin. Uh, not just the penalty of sin, but from the power of sin in our lives. Now the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen. It is our desire to get God's word out to all, so our podcasts and everything else downloaded from our website is free. But we do have expenses, and if you feel led to give a dollar for this resource, please go ahead and click the Give tab on our website at plowboyministries.org. Grace and peace. Everything I want out dear I count it all